Truth and Fire, the podcast is brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Welcome to another installment of Truth and Fire, the podcast, which picks up where Truth and Fire, the blog leaves off. I'm your host, Verite Efeu, and you can find me at V-E-R-I-T-E-E-T-F-E-U on all social media platforms. On today's episode, we're discussing revivals and awakenings, what they are, what they aren't, and whether God has promised in his word that they will occur in our generation. All of this and more when we return. This is episode 18 of Truth and Fire, the podcast. I'm your host, Verite Efe, which simply means Truth and Fire en Francais. So, uh, I've grown tired of talking about Kanye. However, there is a bigger issue that I want to address. (laughs) So, I have to bring him up to address it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm apologizing to myself because I don't want to talk about him anymore. However, um, with all that's going on surrounding his uh, profession of faith, um, as I mentioned in the last episode, um, I would come back and give an update after his film, um, Jesus is King, dropped, and as well as the, the album, which honestly I did not expect to drop. Um, but I knew that Jesus is King, the film, had um, had uh, been on the on the horizon. So I wanted to come back and give an update regarding that. So I'll use this episode to do that, to tie into my larger topic about revivals and great awakenings. Now, so um, as some of you may have heard from the Apple Music interview that Kanye did um, about it, well, it was released a day before um, his album dropped as well as a day before uh, Jesus is King, the film, um, hit IMAX theaters. Now, Kanye says his mission now in life is to share the gospel. That's all. That's his only mission and goal in life. Um, and so what I have been expecting from him is to share the gospel. Unfortunately, that's not what I've been seeing. Okay. That's not what's been going on. Um, yes, he is linked to Pastor Adam Tyson, who has, um, I guess, vouch for Kanye's salvation, um, saying that his salvation seems sincere, seems genuine. Um, However, it's not who Kanye is affiliated with as far as men are concerned that will fully, um, you know, tell the story about where he stands, Um, but more so whether or not he has been spending time with Jesus Christ. And so I personally am still waiting to hear uh, a clear gospel presentation from Kanye. Um, Many people may wonder why, um, you know, who am I to expect such a thing? Um, Well, people keep telling me that I have to accept him as my brother. And so in order for me to do that, I want to ensure that he's bringing the same doctrine that a brother in the Lord would bring. So that's really what I'm, I'm waiting on mainly. Um, I've definitely seen some things that are encouraging from Kanye concerning, you know, the things that he said he's going to do or not do anymore. Um, Whether or not those things will take place over time is to uh, remains to be seen. But he said a lot of great things. So the main thing that I want to go on, though, is whether or not 
amongst those great things that he would say would actually be preaching the gospel. And I've not yet seen that. Um, but in either case, so you have Kanye um, continuing to do his Sunday services. He um, came out with Jesus is King, the film, which turned out to be a 31 minute music video of sorts to, um, I guess, showcase the choir. Um, no gospel was preached from my understanding of the different reviews, because again, I did not um, go see the film, but based on different reviews and individuals giving their feedback, um, those who had seen the film, um, there was no gospel in the film. Um, further, um, you have the release of his album, Jesus is King. Um, it is pegged as a gospel album. And of course, by today's standards, of course, it will be, um, deemed a pretty, um, solid album because, you know, those who would bring the gospel with those who we would, I guess you can say those we would expect to bring the gospel, um, from the, perhaps the Christian hip hop community, maybe the contemporary Christian artists, they don't do that. And so, um, as long as you have someone willing to say Jesus on wax, um, if, as long as someone is willing to say a few terms that sound churchy, then, you know, according to the world and apparently to many in uh, Christendom, that will be considered a gospel album and they will consider the gospel having gone forth and will give it the stamp of approval. And I'm sorry, I'm over in the corner like, mm -mm, I'm not with it because I long... Um, I never really got into CHH, but I really wasn't into it a lot because I did not hear the truth, with the exception of um, people like Shailene, um, Timothy um, Brindle, so individuals like that. But um, there are very few people that um, I would say actually bring the gospel in their music. Um, and Kanye is amongst those individuals um, that I would I would not include in um, in as individuals who bring the gospel. Yes, he said some some cool things. He said Jesus. Um, he even says Jesus is Lord, um, which I didn't expect um, based on my um, commentary from the first episode. Um, but even still, um, looking at the whole of his fruit, I'm still not there with everyone else with receiving him as a brother. And I will totally understand if there are others out there who... Um, find fault with me regarding that you are free to not listen to this podcast. You are free to unsubscribe from my blog. You're free to unfollow me on social media. I get it. If that's where you are, I get it. Um, but I am going to remain, um, 10 toes down in my convictions regarding this, um, until I am, um, convinced through hearing a, just a clear understanding of what it is that Kanye believes. And I've not heard that. Um, the closest thing I've heard to Kanye regarding what he believes is from a 2004 interview where he says that he's a Christian and he comes back and says, you know, yes, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But one thing I don't agree with Christianity is that um, anyone who doesn't believe that will go to hell. I don't believe that. I don't believe that someone who's Muslim or someone who's Buddhist, like he goes into talking about how other religions, he doesn't believe those who uh, have faith in in um, another uh, name, those who don't um, have faith in Christ, he doesn't believe that they will uh, perish. He doesn't believe that. Um, and that was, again, that wasn't an, an interview from 15 years ago, from 2004. So, hey, you know, in his defense, he could have changed his stance by now. So I would, um, I would actually 
um, challenge those who consider him a brother to ask him if that's where he still stands. So we're asking him a lot about what he believes um, about the Bible. But let's let's see if, you know, where he stands um, doctrinally when you get down to um, Jesus being the only way. So I would I would be I would be curious to hear that. But anyway. So the main reason I wanted to get into this episode is to talk about the bigger picture, the bigger reason why I have been so adamant about warning and uh, people and being cautious about Kanye is because of um, what we know will be the great falling away, that we know that will be the apostasy in the last days, um, a great deception to overcome the whole world in these last days. And so I want to talk about a concept that I've heard a lot of Christians um talk about even with uh, the election of Donald Trump a lot of people were you know prophesying that Trump is you know King Cyrus and you know all these people and um, Cyrus may work because Cyrus wasn't saved but um, some people are even considering President Trump a brother in the Lord I'm not there I don't see that Um, I do believe that the Lord placed Trump in office um, for his purposes but I don't think that it was by Trump's own you know, faith-based merits, but because of where he stands in certain political arenas, you know, he would be someone that could bide the Christian in America some time to continue to share the gospel openly and freely um, in these last days. So that's that's how I've been seeing it. But there have been a lot of people who've been proclaiming a revival and a great awakening to come. And that's just not where... I am with that. I don't believe that's the case. But before I get into why I stand, um, where I stand on this topic, let's get into what a revival is, okay? Okay, so according to dictionary.com, a revival is an improvement in the condition or strength of something. So more specifically, let's see. So it says, uh, it's a noun, of course. (laughs) It is the restoration to life, consciousness, uh, vigor, strength, etc. Restoration to use, acceptance, or currency. A new production of an old play. You know, it's going on and on and on. So we know these things, right? So let's get into revival as we've been using it or as many Christians have been using using it over the years. So revival from a a faith-based or religious standpoint, it comes down to number five in the dictionary.com. Um, dictionary uh, definitions. Um, a revival is an awakening in a church or community of interest in and care for matters relating to personal religion. Um, a revival is also described as an evangelistic service or a series of services for the purpose of affecting a religious. Hmm. An evangelistic service or a series of services for the purpose of affecting a religious awakening. Okay, so revival, awakening, use, use interchangeably. I thought, I want to say, did, um, did, let's see, Merriam-Webster, did they have one that was a little bit clearer? I don't know, let's see. Oh, it's about the same. Um, basically, an act 
of or an act or instance of reviving the state of being revived, such as a renewed attention to or interest in something, um, a new presentation or publication of something old, um, again, a period of renewed religious interest, and often highly emotional evangelistic meeting or a series of meetings. Okay. So these are the definitions of a revival, at least in the context in which it is used um, in Christendom, amongst Christians, amongst those in evangelism, um, or in the uh, evangelists, amongst evangelists, I should say. Um, And the reason why I wanted to define this term, because I wanted to do a very quick overview of the various revivals or uh, great awakenings that have been said to have, have occurred historically. Um, the first one, at least in the, in the context of the United States, because according to very many evangelicals, America is God's country and <laughs> America is a, a covenant nation. And I'm like, I don't know where they get that from, but okay. But in either case, the first Great Awakening um, took place in the 18th century. Um, it was a response to the Age of Reasoning or the the Enlightenment um, time period. The Enlightenment—I cannot get that out—the Enlightenment era, um, where God, religion, and faith took a backseat to a humanistic worldview rooted in man's philosophical musings. So. Um, Pastors like Jonathan Edwards, who's known very well amongst um, the Reformed tradition because he was very much rooted in uh, re- um, Reformed doctrine and, and in Calvinism um, specifically. Um, John Wesley, who was Arminian um, and he's a Methodist, as well as George Whitfield, who uh, was a Calvinist Methodist. Which is, all of that's very interesting. But these men were the at the forefront of the first awakening. So again, that took place in the 18th century where there was more of a desire to push back at the um, the age of enlightenment where people were basically coming out of um, placing a lot of their uh, worldview on matters of faith and in the Bible and thus moving towards a more humanistic, a more man-centric um, worldview. Now, moving on to, oh, let me bring this up. So one of the outcomes of the Great Awakening is that there was a lot of uh, religious tolerance that came out of that, but there were also a lot of uh, denominations created out of the Protestant um, arm of things. So we know Protestants were, is either Protestant or Catholicism, right? And Protestant or Catholic. And so out of the Protestant um, uh, leg of things, a lot of denominations were born um, after the Great Awakening or the first Great Awakening. Now, the second Great Awakening was said to have occurred in the 19th century. It was characterized by enthusiasm, emotion, and an appeal to the supernatural. Um, It occurred across Baptist and Methodist denominations, and it was a continued rejection of the age of reasoning, right? So this may be around the time where charismania became a big thing. Um, So um, I'm going to give you guys all the time in the world to go back and read up on these things for yourself because I only have so much time. So I'm not trying to give a full history lesson here. I'm just trying to bring us up to speed as to what's going on right now. Okay, now the third Great Awakening um, that is actually um, said to have occurred. Um, in the late 19th century to the 20th century. But based on the description, it sounds like though there are those who could continue to describe the third Great Awakening to be um, taking place even now. Um, that particular time period um, is influ- influenced by a 
pietistic Protestant denomination um, or pietistic uh, Protestant denominations and had a strong element of social activism. Um, it gathered strength from the post-millennial belief that the second coming of Christ would occur after mankind had reformed the entire earth. So basically, there's this belief that Christian ethics um, will rule the world before Christ will return. Um, and again, I have my thoughts on that, which I will share later. But that these are basically a quick overview of the different awakenings that have occurred. And as I mentioned, there are those who believe that the third awakening either hasn't actually happened or is in the process of happening. So maybe it began in the 19th century and is still taking place even now. So with that being said, I want you to listen to a clip from Glenn Beck from um, August of 2015, where he shares um, his thoughts about the Great Awakening. And I want you to really listen to some of the things he said about um, unity and um, and uh, faith, okay? Um, and I'll come back with the rest of my commentary. The uh, Coliseum, uh, the arena, uh, and that was electric. I, mm-hmm. I heard from so many people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys heard this or felt this. But the people I talked to that had gone to all of our events said by far this was the most impactful event that I, we have ever done. I heard that many times. I think this is, I think we are at the beginning. I, I, was, I flew back with David Barton yesterday, and David said, uh, just matter-of-factly, uh, he said, we're in the awakening. And I said, I leaned up and I said, wait a minute, hold on, what did you just say? And he said, we're in the awakening. And I said, the third Great Awakening? And he said, oh, yeah. I truly believe it's happening now. That's great. That is great. He is the he's the one who told me about the Great Awakening. It's like we right. need the Great Awakening to happen. And there, it, it, we had people from all different faiths walking together. Yeah, uh, all different. I mean, I marched with you know that famous picture of the Woolworths uh, uh, lunch counter and the guy sitting at the lunch counter. Clarence Henderson is one of the guys that was sitting at that counter. I found out, I was giving a speech, uh, I don't remember one of the 18 speeches I gave this weekend, and uh, I think it was at the Guiding Light Church, and somebody came up to me right before and said, that guy, you know who he is? And I'm like, no. He's like, he was the 18-year-old kid at the lunch counter in the 1960s, and showed me the picture, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've seen that picture in our history books all the time. Wow. And he was the guy who marched next to me. He's the nicest guy. I said, why are you doing this? He said, because a friend of mine told me he, he comes from Greensboro, North Carolina, and he drove down by himself to go. And I said, what, mm. you know, what, what made you do this? He said, it's time. It's just time. We have to come together or we're going to tear each other apart. Welcome back. Okay, that was a clip from Glenn Beck discussing what he believed um, back in 2015 was um, a good sign of the Great Awakening, the Third Great Awakening, either taking place or beginning to take place. Um, Notice that he talked about people from different religions and how we, you know, people were coming together to be unified. Um, I tried to go back to see exactly what the context was regarding um, his his having that discussion, but um, I thought it was interesting that um, 
he was having it. I mean, I would not be surprised if it had anything to do with uh, the elections, <laughs> um, gearing up for the elections, because I remember 2015 and 2016 being pretty contentious for us in America. And um, we all pretty much hated each other because you had the, the, those going for Hillary, those going for Trump, those going for whomever else was running. And so that was the very beginning of a very nasty battle um, for the White House. And we see that a lot of that contention still has not let up. But in either case, with all of the division that is going on, of course, when the Antichrist comes, he's going to be lauded as um, bringing for bringing peace. And, you know, I believe it's in... Um, I think it's in Revelation that talks about um, when he comes, it's basically people are going to say, who can make war with him? Um, I can't remember if it's in Revelation or in Daniel, but basically it's a, who can make war with him? Because at the end of the day, he's going to be on the surface so peaceful um, or, or, you know, perceived to be peaceful and someone who's doing a good thing for the world that it's going to um, look pretty much sacrilegious to <laughs> um, to go against him. Um, and so as I was reading about the different um, Great Awakenings, for example, we see that the um, Third Great Awakening, um, which again has been said to have, have begun or had begun in the late 19th century um, through the 20th century, but Glenn Beck, as you heard in his clip, was speaking about a Third Great Awakening um, taking place even now or gearing up even now or at least back in 2015 and what I thought was interesting is that again the third great awakening was marked by a strong element of social activism um, when you do more reading on it it talks about how the social gospel became a bigger um, became a bigger uh, um gospel, if you will, or a bigger message that was being spread. So a lot of social activism, a lot of social gospel being preached, um, basically people doing things to be moralistic and to make the world right. So any Christian being involved in it, the Christian is trying to make the world a better place here and now to usher in the return of Jesus Christ. So there's this belief that Jesus won't return until we as Christians fix the earth and then he will come. Um, and again, that's called post-millennialism. So I just thought that this, this mindset was very interesting. And it seems like it's very much held by a lot of those who consider America a covenant nation, who consider America God's country. Um, and I, I, hmm, what do I want to say? How do I say this? Um, even with the discussions of the awakening, I noticed that they pretty much are um, exclusive to religious um, reawakenings or revivals in the United States. Somewhat in England as well. There's some things going on in England. As a matter of fact, I think with the Second Great Awakening, um, there was a, a little bit of a split with the with the revival going on. Well, actually, maybe maybe it was the first, but there was a split between the revival going on in England and the revival going on in America because around that the same time, America was splitting from um, British rule. So it's just so interesting to see how history has had 
a hand or how the, the role that history plays in all of these things regarding biblical prophecy and what the Lord has said will come and what we can expect to see. Because right now we're seeing a lot of movements um, of those getting more active, activated and more excited, I guess you will, about faith. But it's like, is it really though? Is it really? And I'll get into that a little later, as I mentioned. But just looking at the trajectory of these things, just seeing how in the first um, Great Awakening, there were that's when a lot of denominations were created. So there was even more division in the body created, right? Um, and then in the second Great Awakening, there was a it was more characterized by emotion and an appeal to the supernatural, which that I'm not saying that's necessarily in itself a bad thing. Um, it's just that when you throw caution and reason to the wind all for the sake of emotionalism you get charismania or you get the the you know the the new um uh the new apostle i cannot get it the new apostolic reformation Um, but you get that happening. You get the um, charism- charismatic movement um, coming into place. And then now with the third great awakening, you see the social gospel. So you can see how with each of these awakenings, there have been, it seems like there's been more, even though people are believing that they're turning to the things of God, it seems like even more division is created, even more um, a falling away, if you will, of the truth has occurred. So that there's more division. So that means people are believing various and different things you have uh caution being thrown to logic and reason um not caution but you have um an an utter uh rebuff of logic and reason for the sake of the supernatural only and again i don't have anything against the supernatural like if i I did I i would not be a believer um i'm just saying that the lord he tells us to love him with our uh, with all our, our, our heart, uh, mind and soul and all of that. So everything that we have. So it's just not only with our heart. It's not only with our soul. It's not only with our mind. It's with everything. So we need to have our logic and reason intact. We need to have that emotional and supernatural, um, being open to the supernatural element intact. And we need to have, um, we just need to have some, some level of, of balance. So all your heart, all your, all your mind, all your, all your soul, um, and just the realization that God is, all of that needs to be intact. Um, but anyway, I'm rambling. So with that being said, um, Glenn Beck, as I've established already, is believing, at least in 2015, he spoke about how he believed that a third great awakening was taking place because people were coming together and all these different religions were coming together in unity and love and peace. So now I want to play a clip from his most recent um, thoughts on the third great awakening, which he just made a few days ago on his podcast. So this came this month, November 2019, um, which he made um, during his podcast. And I want you to take a listen to what he has to say, and I'll come back with the rest of my commentary. Wow. Wow. Okay. Huh. You know what it might be? You know what it might be? What Kanye, might it be? Kanye. Kanye. Healing the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Could be. Could be. I want to say something to you sincerely. Have you been watching what's happening with his Sunday services? Not closely. Not <laughs> maybe not as closely as I should be. Sure, you know. Sure. Are you? Uh, have you? Have you listened to his new? His new album. His new album. Jesus is King. Yes. I, I've been trying to get to it. 
um, right? There's just been so many albums in front of it. Really? That, like, yeah. what could possibly be in oh, front of that? Gosh, uh, the Chipmunks' greatest hits. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's that's out. Yeah, that's out. I, out. I forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah that's out. So, uh, uh, so I listened to it, and um, <laughs> now this may come as a shock to many in the audience, but I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly down with rap. Stop it. Yes. Yes, I'm not. Stop I'm it. I'm not. I don't even like Christmas rapping. I don't do it. <laughs> I don't do it. Um, so I, so I, I, I decided to listen to the, uh, uh, to the album. And I have to tell you, uh, surprisingly. Terrific. I still don't like it. I, <laughs> what? I still that is don't surprising. Like it. Yeah. That's still, in fact, that's shocking Yeah, to me. still don't like it. Now, I think Pat and I are going to go in a different direction here. <laughs> so go ahead, Pat. Well, I was just going to say that I need to... Big fork in the road. I need right to now. spend some time with that. You know, like Dark Side of the Moon with Pink yeah. Floyd. Like, yeah. We used to listen to that. Yeah. And, and yeah. just really try to get into the deep, subtle nuances of that, right. of that album. Right. And See, I think I don't it's think, the same here. Right. I don't think there's <laughs> anything subtle here. <laughs> I don't think there's don't anything think so. subtle. Huh. No, no. I think this huh. culturally is like a sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, dare I say it? I think the awakening is here. I think the third great awakening is here. The third grade awakening? Great. Oh, okay, because I thought the grade. lyrics were kind of like maybe the third grade level, but right. no? No, you're saying great. Wow. Wow. Okay. wow. All right, no. Wow, no, 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 no. I, 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 I asked you not to, you know, judge. You did. The, yes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. asking you, this is Kim Kardashian's husband. Right, that's true. Who is yes. saying... Jesus, help us. Jesus, heal us. Yeah. Jesus, change our conversation. Clean our words like chlorine. Jesus, help us. Um, mm. This could be a big deal. Um, I think, I th- A, I think it's real. I oh, was I do too. I think I it's too. absolutely real. Yeah. Uh, and l- let, me give you, let me give you this. This is building uh, over a thousand uh, committed their lives to Christ on Kanye West's Sunday service in Baton Rouge. Now, listen to this. Uh, tonight, I got to experience Kanye West's Sunday service at Bethany Church in Baton Rouge. If you ever doubted the legitimacy or spiritual impact of this Sunday service project, simply look to this incredible shot taken, uh, blah, 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 during the altar call. Yes, I said altar call. Tonight, worship was lifted in the name of Christ was exalted. The word of God was preached and the multitude prayed together. The gospel was clearly proclaimed and an opportunity to respond was given. In a crowd of 6,000 people from all walks of life, ages, and races, I witnessed over 1,000 people respond to the gospel by raising their hands to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Say what you want and think what you want, but trust me when I tell you the spirit of the living God was indeed present. We danced, we wept, we stood in awe of God's redemptive work, and I can honestly say tonight that I witnessed a new wave of revival firsthand. Isaiah, behold, I do a new thing. Corinthians, 
But God chose the the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I think this is the beginning. There is a, there, there is, and I'm seeing it everywhere. I was in Salt Lake City this weekend and I, I was. uh... Okay, welcome back. So those were comments from Glenn Beck, who, as you heard for yourself, uh, believes that we are now in the third great awakening and he believes Kanye West is leading it. He believes that Kanye West is leading a movement to heal the world. Okay. Um, and I actually, while that was playing, I was able to look up the, uh, verse that, um, that I was referring to from revelation when, um, I was speaking about how, the world is basically going to say, who can make war with the beast? So let me read it. Um, I'm going to read a little bit um, before it and a little bit after it. Um, this is from Revelation 13. And I'm going to start at, I'm going to start at 13.3. And it says, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Okay, so that was uh, Revelation 13. I read from verses 3 through Um, nine. Okay. And I just thought it was important to bring that up because we're seeing things happening right now with Kanye and quite a few other people who seem like, you know, on the surface, they seem very sincere. They seem like they can be heated and trusted, but there are a few things that they say that give them away um, that are basically blasphemous. You have Kanye starting Sunday service as a church. He said in his Apple interview with Zane that Sunday service is a church. He said during his Sunday service at, at Howard, that Sunday service is a church. He said at his Sunday service in uh, in uh, Jamaica that his Sunday service is a church. He said on the episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians that Sunday service is his church. Okay, so he said it numerous times in numerous forums on numerous occasions. And I had a sister that I still consider her a sister. I just believe that right now she's not thinking straight (laughs) but I had a sister in the Lord who was quote-unquote disappointed with me and disheartened by me for the things that I'm raising regarding Kanye and his starting a church people think I'm doing this to be mean people think I'm saying these things to be um to be judgmental unduly right to um, to be unrighteously judgmental um and and I and I qualify it by saying unrighteously judgmental because yes I am being judgmental but I am judging things according to the spirit of Christ according to God's word and everything that Kanye does is not adding up to what scripture would say is 
pleasing to the Lord. Okay. Yes, he's he said that he will no longer curse again, even though since then he's probably dropped quite a few f bombs and 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 <laughs> cursed um here and there. Oh, he's a new he's a new convert. That's gonna happen. No, no, no. Come on now, y'all. Come on, come on now. Come on, come on now. You but you really believe that the Lord, who has told us told us in His Word to beware false prophets, to know them by their fruit to test the spirits, to examine fruit. Do you really think the Lord who has told us to beware of these things and told us the things that are to come in the last days would prop up someone on the world stage to make these types of errors and say these types of blasphemies? And it just it is simply because he's a new convert. The Lord, we, the Lord is faithful. If the Lord would use a man, we will be confounded through and through by the things that he has to say. To date, Kanye himself has not shared the gospel. To date, we don't truly know what Kanye honestly believes. To date. As I mentioned before, and I may try to play it before the end of this episode, as as I mentioned before, there is a clip of Kanye from 2004 where he says, I'm a Christian. There's a clip of Kanye from 2013 where he says, I'm a Christian on the Chris Jenner show. She had her own show at one point. And he's telling her that he's, he want, he's a Christian. And he wants to raise his family according to Christian values. There is a part of Kanye that has a moralistic view of things. Why else would he tell everyone to, to abstain from sexual immorality, from, from having uh, uh, premarital sex while working on his album or to tell Kim to dress a different way? These, yes, people can say, oh, that's the fruit. No, no, no. It sounds like he's being that moral, that moralistic, legalistic aspect of um, what people think Christianity is all about. Right. There is a renewal that needs to happen in his spirit first, that those of us who know the truth that know the gospel will be able to discern that he's truly spent some time with Jesus and not merely being taught by another man. We are so quick to compare his his conversion, his professed conversion to that of Paul's. But Paul says he wasn't taught by any man, but directly by the Lord. So either he's going to have a radical conversion like Paul or or he hasn't. And I'm going to say he hasn't. OK, now I know all of us may not necessarily have had a conversion um, like Paul's who weren't blinded on the on the on the road to Damascus. But I will say from my own conversion um, story my thought was that my it was my uh, goal in life to build a legacy for my family for myself for my for my family and i remember the night that the lord i had a dream that the lord was pulling an impacted tooth out of my mouth and i woke up um screaming and crying because it was just it was such a jarring um uh, feeling in the, in the dream and that impact there was something there was something there in me that needed to be taken out and snatched up from the root Right. And so in my dream, that was a it was a an impacted tooth. And I when I woke up, I, I woke up crying and I was crying so loudly that I, I ran into my bathroom because I didn't want my neighbors to think that something crazy was happening to me. And I went into my bathroom and I continued to cry. And while I was in there crying, it just just it just occurred to me that everything that I had always believed about prosperity and and and, and having a name for myself and, and building a legacy and buying my house house and 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 building this 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 world around myself and around my family was the way to go and the lord just uprooted all of that and showed me that was not what it was and if anyone knows anything about dentistry and i'm not trying to get too deep but seriously any, if you know anything about dentistry when you have an impacted tooth you need to pull it out so that other teeth can grow 
right? So that everything else can grow straight, right? Okay. So for me, my conversion situation was me having an impacted tooth removed. <laughs> for Paul, it was him being blinded and later having those scales removed from his eyes. But in either case, when we are radically converted, not only do we see life in a different way, but we are now able to tell folks about it. And so far, the only thing uh, Kanye has been able to do is tell people what he's going to stop doing from a moralistic standpoint. Okay, I'm not going to curse anymore. Okay, I'm not going to curse a, a, a drink. Okay, I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm going to tell people around me not to have premarital sex. Okay, those things. Okay, great. On the surface, they look good. But look deeper, Christian. Look deeper, brothers and sisters, because there is an agenda going on that has to be discerned fully through the Holy Spirit. That is why Revelation um, uh, 13.9 says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Listen, guys, if you have an ear, let hear this. Understand that there are some things that are not quite right with what Kanye is doing. Sunday service is prime among them. He is undercutting the church. He's he's. He's in many ways usurping the authority or attempting to usurp the authority of the institution that God put in place for his people to have fellowship and to grow and to um, and to, to hold one another accountable and to learn and to be sharpened in because we have too many rules. He says in his 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 interview with Apple that um, believers, uh, the church has to rely so heavily on God's word that we stifle innovation. That's what he says. Go back and listen to this interview. Listen, okay? I understand there's tons of people out there giving us uh, uh, their human understanding, reasoning behind why we shouldn't be skeptical of Kanye. How long you got to wait? How long you going to sit back? How dare you? Who do you think you are? Well, who do you think you are to tell me to go against God's word when God told me to beware? God told me to test. God told me to examine. That's all I see in the word. I don't see anything about taking someone saying that they're a believer at face value and then just hoping for the best. I don't see anything in the word about that. So until you can come to me with scripture to tell me why my willingness to beware and to test and examine is wrong, you have nothing else to say to me. And your ad homonym attacks will be ignored. Now, with that said, sorry, I went on a tangent. <laughs> with that said, I want you all to hear this, this revival, this, this uh, great awakening that Glenn Beck was speaking of. I want you to hear what was told to these people which is why a thousand plus people out of a crowd of 6,000, right? That's some pretty good numbers. <laughs> out of a crowd of 6,000 people came, gave their lives to Christ. When Pastor Tyson, who everyone, um, you know, based on his being um, a graduate of the Master's Seminary and based on what he said, honestly, during his, his interview with Apologia Studios, the one that I, I listened to in, in, in full, I heard clips from the other interviews, but... The Apologia Studio um, interviews, the one I, I listened to um, in full. And based on the questions they asked him at the beginning of the interview, he's he's solid. He sounds solid in his doctrine. He sounds solid in his he's, he sounds solid in the gospel. Right. So with that being said, Kanye is getting access to sound teaching. But for some reason, it's not connecting because no one who believes the gospel and who knows the gospel is going to allow their people or themselves to lead anyone to Christ 
with this kind of message and assuming that this is the gospel. So take a listen to the altar call that took place at the most recent Sunday service. Well, not the most recent. There was another one since then, um, I believe. But the one that took place this past Friday at um, in, ba- in Baton Rouge. So take a listen and um, I'll be back with the rest of my commentary. Welcome back. Y'all heard that madness. (laughs) I almost feel like I don't even have to explain what was wrong with that whole situation. Those who are not discerning right now may find fault with me for laughing. But what I'm trying to tell you guys is that was not the gospel. Okay. This man said somebody in here needs a savior. Man, everybody out there needed a savior. What you mean somebody in here needs a savior? What, What is this? What? What? It's not a, somebody here needs some encouragement. Everybody out here needs a savior. And the way they presented it, it was very man-centric, right? You've been lost. It's lonely out there. No, bruh. 
You a sinner and you condemned and you're going to perish if you don't repent. What is going on with these people? La. Come on. That was not the gospel. Contrary to whatever that was that Glenn Beck read when the person said the gospel was clearly preached, they don't understand what the gospel is. Okay. Jesus said that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. And people go, Whoa! amen. But they, they get excited for the wrong thing. They don't realize that the world is condemned already. Jesus don't have to do something that's already been done. I don't have to condemn you. You're already condemned. The word already condemned. The word already judges. The world is already condemned. Jesus' role, Jesus' job is to come in and save the lost. Get us out of this dark, dying, perishing world. So basically repeating a sinner's prayer at an altar is not what saves. Everybody who goes against Joel Austin knows that because at the end of every broadcast, I don't want to say every sermon because I don't know what he preaches in his actual church, but at the end of every broadcast from Joel Austin, he has people repeat what the sinner's prayer. And at the end he goes, if you believe that, I believe you got born again. Seriously, Joel, you twist God's word. You don't teach the gospel. You don't preach the gospel. And then at the end, you think a little prayer is going to be enough to get somebody saved? Are you are you, are you are you kidding me? And the same thing just happened at Sunday service. And I have quite a few brothers and sisters in the Lord who I actually respect, who have lost their mind. Y'all have lost, y'all, I said it, y'all have lost y'all's mind. If you think this man is someone to be trusted, and you haven't even vetted him, you're going on his mere profession, knowing that we're in the last days, knowing that deception is gonna be rampant, knowing that the great falling away is going to occur, you're just gonna take somebody to just walk in off the street and say, I'm a brother. I get the notion that everybody's saying, oh, well, if you do that to, uh, if you do that to Kanye, you gotta do that to yourself. You know what, you're right, and they should. Doing something in error before doesn't mean that you should continue in error. Okay, yes, we should be judging each other, not in a hypocritical way, not in a harsh way, but through God's word. We should be looking at those in our church who are saying they're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We should be wondering. We have a spouse who says they're a believer. We should be examining their fruit to see if they truly are. Because if you don't do that, loves, if you do not do that, how then will you give them the gospel that actually saves them? Stop playing these games and going off emotion and fearing man. This goes for me too. Stop. Stop. Oh, you should encourage growth. We can't encourage growth in something that's dead. Give these people the gospel. Stop it with the foolery. Every think piece, every blog post, article, newscaster, every tweet, every every Instagram message, anything that anyone has said in support of Kanye has been from their flesh, from their human understanding. And if they throw up a scripture, it's going to be something about uh, the, the verse that talks about uh, uh, whether from from for vanity or for you know basically talking when, when Paul is talking about the motives like no matter what their motives are as long as Christ is being preached he doesn't he doesn't mind what their what their reasonings are yeah that's when they're what that's when their motives might be off but they're actually bringing the truth Kanye ain't even bringing the truth and to be honest his motives are a little bit questionable just saying 
All I'm saying is, you know what? This is not about you agreeing with me. This is about you taking the time to go through God's word and truly examine the situation and stop playing. These people are out here believing that they are saved off a false gospel. Now, God is sovereign the same way he saved me out of a false gospel. He can save individuals who gave, quote unquote, gave their life at Sunday service in Baton Rouge. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is the gospel was not preached. And you have someone like Kanye who has influence, who has this platform, right? And he's going out there. Even if he doesn't say a thing, he's letting people speak on his behalf. And these people are not bringing the truth. And then when the people who do bring the truth are around him, he goes back and undercuts it with some foolery. It makes it a social gospel. It makes it all about um, um, one in three black men are arrested. Okay. Sure, they're arrested. What about the millions of people? I mean, they're they're incarcerated. What about the millions of people who are still in slavery to sin, right? As Christians, that is our primary thing. I'm not saying other things in this world don't matter. I'm saying that at the end of the day, though, they're going to perish. They're going to burn up and they, they won't matter ultimately, right? Like, come on, guys, we got to do a better job with this. So if you really think that what he did at Sunday service um, or Sunday service is something to be lauded because they got a thousand, thousand plus souls saved and you really think those people are saved, something is wrong with your theology. And maybe you're not a brother or a sister after all. I'm sorry. Yes, God's sovereignty can trump all of that. Right. But at the end of the day, the Lord has told us. He's told us specifically through his word. He's graced us with his word to tell us exactly A, what to look for, B, what to say, and C, how to say it and how to do it. And neither of those things went played, went, went forth um, or took place at Sunday service. So with all of that said, here's where I am on um, this whole situation. And, and before I get, begin, let me say this one thing. There's a young lady who, when I made a comment on my Instagram about, uh, I made a point of clarification because Fox News was the first outlet that I saw that um, was praising the fact that Kanye Sunday service had uh, brought a thousand plus souls to Christ. And I said, a point of clarification, they were brought, quote unquote, to Christ. Um, They were brought to Christ under a recitation of a sinner's prayer. Okay. And she, oh, are you, stop making the word an idol. Really? She is a professing believer and she told me, and for all I knew up until she made that comment, I thought she was solid. She came to me, now I haven't really talked to her like that, but based on you know her interactions with me on, on um, Instagram, I just assumed that, okay, yeah, she might be. But you again, you gotta test even the folks that follow you on Instagram, really, you know? And she says, stop making the word an idol. Ma'am, Jesus told me to abide in him through his word. What you mean? That's my life, right? That's my life. I'm not making it an idol. That is that is that is my mind. That is that is the Matthew 4 4. But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I'm not making that an idol. It's my life. Okay. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. That's John 15, 4. We cannot abide in Christ without his word. That is his truth. That is how he chose to reveal himself to us in, in the earth. And so we need we need to cling to the word. We need to cling to what the scripture says. Kanye, oh, the church has to, has to cling to the word so hard that they stifle innovation. No, this is our life. This is our breath. 
right? It has more value to us than a, a morsel of bread. That's how serious this is. Okay. And I just realized that I'm yelling in the mic and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just passionate about this because I can't believe that people are buying this and haven't even looked into it. And the reason why they're buying it out of the reform camp, who I'm really disappointed in, the reason why people are buying it is because Pastor Tyson said they threw the test, the test for us, the test for us as believers is not going by what a man says, but what the spirit says. And the spirit tells us to test, right? Here's what else the spirit tells us. Now, the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctors of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Okay, so at the end of the day, there is going to be not a revival, but a falling away, a great apostasy, okay? There's going to be a great falling away. The Bible only speaks about a falling away. Everyone's talking about a revival and, 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 and a, a, an awakening. No, people are falling further, further, further and further away from the truth, right? So there is no awakening. There is no revival. The only revival we can expect in our generation is when Jesus returns and when he does <laughs> the resurrection, Okay. All right. The only time that we can we can bet on Christians ruling and reigning is after Christ returns. We're not setting up a kingdom for him before he returns. Jesus told us what was it in John? I think it was in John. He told he, he tells when he tells them um, that his kingdom is not of this world. So why in the world would you guys think when we know from Romans eight that the world is groaning, awaiting the return of the Lord and for the sons of God to be revealed, right? Why would you think that it is our job in this life, in this generation, to fix all that ails the world when scripture is very clear that the world is dead, dark, and dying? It's already dead and it's dying, right? It is passing away. The world is passing away. So nothing that you try to fix is going to even remain. Glenn Beck talks about those uh, uh, the, the the different awakenings that he saw take place um, and how the 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 outcomes only lasted for a little while. Of course they did because we're 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 in a fallen world. We're fallen, right? And without Christ, that's the state that we will remain in. Thank Jesus for our salvation. I need people to be careful with this. If we see a revival in these last days, it's going to be because the gospel is going to be faithfully preached but guess what's going to happen we will be persecuted severely and in many cases unto, in some cases unto death so if you want a revival dear Christian know and trust that you're going to have to fight for it and you're going to die for it period there's not, there's not going to be a day where we're sitting around singing kumbaya and everything is hunky dory and everybody just agrees with everything we say when you see that that is the antichrist spirit because deception comes the way it comes, not overtly, because if that's the case, everybody will run for cover. It's going to come in a way that looks very convincing. That fruit looked very good to Eve. It looked good for eating. It looked good, but she was told not to eat it. Okay, we're told to beware. We're told to take heed that no man deceives us. 
Let me get up in here. Let me get into Matthew 24. Matthew 24, when Jesus is very, very, very clear. Take heed that no man deceives you. That's the first thing he says when they ask him. Now, this is Matthew 24, verse um, verse 3. So I'm starting at verse 3. Now, he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will, we, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will, rece- and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For a nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Nowhere in there does it say anything about a revival. It says the gospel will be preached as a witness to all nations. It doesn't say that all those nations are going to receive that gospel. God's gospel, God's truth is coming to all nations, both as grace and as a, as a warning. It is grace to those who hear it and receive it. And those who don't receive it, they're now without excuse. Because you, now, you, you knew the truth, you were told the truth, and you chose not to accept it. So, so, so miss me with all of this revival, um, uh, discussion. This is where, where in scripture do you see that? Glenn Beck quoted someone talking about, um, uh, behold, I do a new thing. Boo boo. That new thing has occurred. That's the new Testament. That's the, that is now the law of grace that we are under. That is Christ having come into the world to die for our sins to be raised on the third day by the power of God and to ascend back up and take a seat at the right hand. Of, that's the new thing. And he's now interceding for us at the right hand of God. And he's going to return for us to, re- to resurrect uh, those who are his. Those who are dead in Christ first and then those who are still living at the time that he returns to us next, but we'll be caught up immediately in the twinkling, in the blink of an eye. So what, what, where in all of this do you guys hear anything about a revival, about a great peace over the earth, a great um, uh, ruling of Christian ethic? Even if that were the case, even if that were the case where everyone is now moralistic, it does not mean they are saved. I really need everybody to really take, take a step back, put your headphones down, Turn off Jesus is King, the, the, the album for a second and proclaim that Jesus is King and, and is Lord by abiding in his word. That he said that when he returns, people will be saying, Lord, Lord. And he will say, why do you call me Lord and do not what I say? Lord, Lord, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. 
So calling Jesus Lord, calling Jesus King is not going to save you if you don't believe in your heart and that, that actually bearing fruit. How is one saved? By professing with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in their heart that God raised him from the dead. Right? That part about your heart that, that the man can't see, but the fruit will bear out. And if you believe that in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead, you have to receive the whole of scripture. So this whole notion of me idolizing the word, impossible. I can't idolize my breath, the very the very thing that keeps me alive. I can't idolize that. It is what it just is. Anyway, so that's where I'm at with this whole thing. Um, yes, lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow, grow cold. Um, we see in Thessalonians when it talks about peace. Um, let me pull it up. I told y'all on Instagram the other day I have like a thousand and one different jobs. I got to go to my other job in a minute. So I'm trying to record this. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to record this right quick before I go to work. <laughs> Lord knows. But yes, it's from um, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3. Um, I'm going to try to get the... Let me get... Ooh, Thessalonians. Anybody else have trouble trying to spell Thessalonians. I know it's two S's. First <laughs> Thessalonians 5 and 3. Okay. Now, it says, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden des- destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a, a pregnant woman, and they, will, and they shall not escape. Those of you who are believing that we're going to be in a time of peace and safety, you are part of you're a part of the group that that is, whose name is not written in the in the um in the book of life, right? Because we already know as believers who are standing on God's word ten toes down, we already know we're gonna be persecuted, and we already know that this has to be something we're willing to lose all for, including our very lives. But y'all are over there feasting and living it up, serving in the government. And um, and ruling and reigning and thinking everything is okay. No, 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 boo boo. For the Christian, we are we are the least of these. Okay, we are the least of these in that parable that Jesus gives. Not the poor, as in the general poor in, in the world, because Jesus says the poor you will have amongst you always. Right? Not the general poor in the earth, but we will be treated poorly and we will be poor because we, in, in some cases because we'll be going without because of persecution of losing jobs right of not taking the mark so we can't buy or sell so we're the least of these okay not all well because he says the least of these my brethren so that's that's those are believers so at the end of the day Again, when you share this gospel, you let people know that the Lord, yes, he did die for their sins. Yes, he did die for their sins. But you let them know that the reason why he had to die for their sins is because they're condemned already. Make that make that truth so plain to them to where conviction is just, it, it has to come. Telling them you just lost and making them feel like they're the victim. You just lost and you out here in this cold, cruel world and everybody's treating you wrong and treating you bad. And Jesus said, come on home. Boo-boo, you part of the crew that's treating people wrong and treating people bad. (laughs) I can't. I can't. 
There is no peace. There is no peace coming. There is no peace coming. Y'all hear me typing. Because you know I got the pulls. Got the pulls my scriptures together. Okay. Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 34. Do not assume that I came or that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So if Jesus didn't come to bring peace, why do we think we're going to come to bring peace? No. No. We're bringing that truth. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Right? A servant is not above his master. We're doing what he did. Now, yes, we should be at peace with all men, meaning that we're not going to go out there and be meddlers. Um, We're not going to do anything wicked. We're not going to be doing anything to intentionally be a nuisance to others um, um, from a worldly standpoint. But telling the truth that God has commanded us and, and has ordained us by virtue of us receiving his spirit to share, we got to share it, period, period. Jesus didn't come to bring peace. Destruction is, sudden destruction is going to come among those who say peace and safety. And um, we know that lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness will abound. There's not going to be merely people breaking the law, but people are just not going to be heeding the Lord's word. We know in Romans 1, right, that the Lord is going to give people over and, and is and has been giving people over to a reprobate mind. Where in all of this do you guys see a revival? Where? Where? Again, that new thing that was spoken of in Isaiah has happened. I will do, behold, I will do a new thing. He's talking about Christ. They no longer have to work um, um, for righteousness through the law. They now have Christ. Okay, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it is not my desire to talk about Kanye all day long, but with all that's going on in the news, it's kind of had to come up. But a bigger picture around him is not merely Kanye. It's, It's the deception that can come or that is coming because of because of his influence and because of his platform. The fact that there are many people in the world calling this something that of the Lord should be a problem to those who profess to be not only Christian, but reformed. This is supposed to be the crew that just can't, nothing can get past the, can't get past the reformed. We're so solid in doctrine. Boo boo, you can have the word all day long for as head knowledge, but we're supposed to love the Lord with what? As I said before, our hearts and our mind and our soul just with everything in us balance balance bring it all in and I say this now I know I'm I'm sure I got my own blind spots and I would ask people to correct me as well with the word not your opinion not your emotions and definitely not with ad hominem attacks because those don't work if they did I would I wouldn't still be doing my podcast and I still wouldn't be on doing my blog or on social media try again But anyway, I believe I've said what I needed to say. So basically, no, revival is not coming. If there is any um, revival in the, in the true sense of the term regarding um, believers, uh, uh, a, a new resurgency in faith, that will be because the gospel is being purely and truly preached. 
and it won't be a massive amount of people believing it but there will be a massive amount of Christians being persecuted because of it so if we see a revival we're going to see some persecution but it won't be a peaceful thing it's going to be something we need to fight for and something that we're going to die for but as far as the revival that the post-millennial um, view shares, oh, that that's going to be under the Antichrist, boo-boo. Trust and believe. Who can make war with the beast? Because he's going to bring peace. There's a lot of a lot of division going on, and a lot of the and, and just a lot of fighting and contention going on. And yes, as believers, we should um, make peace with one another and reconcile with one another through the through the Holy Spirit, through this who is the bond of peace for us, right? But as far as the world, this external peace that they're looking for, he'll, giving everybody health care and and getting everybody out of jail and <laughs> I don't know, all religions holding hands and going to worship together, all of that, all of that stuff where now you got to pervert justice and and put more of your focus on things of the world and the things of God. All those things, those are those those that's the Antichrist agenda. Just to let you know. So that's all I got to say about all this. Um, and um, so, yeah, I will come back with my final word and we will wrap this thing up. OK, so as I mentioned earlier, um, I need to get ready to go to my other job because I have like 18 of them. <laughs> but before I go and before my neighbors turn up, uh, they have a tendency to play their music very loudly and they do not care that I'm recording. So let me uh, quickly give you guys this final word and then we will get out of here. All right. So today's final word is going to come from Deuteronomy 13. More specifically, it's going to come from Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through verse 4. Um, so um, it is basically um, about God testing um, those who are his and how they are able to uh, or should be able to discern um, a false prophet from a uh, from a true prophet. And um, here's basically the test. It says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and he gives you a sign or a wonder and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. So in these last days, no matter how convincing someone's works seem, no matter how um, awesome and, and wonderful their words sound, if they are saying or doing anything that will cause you to Go against what the Lord has said in his word, because again, the Lord says you shall keep my commandments and obey my voice. Right. Jesus says the voice of a stranger, we will not follow. Right. He knows us. The Lord knows us and we know him because we follow his voice. We abide in his word. If you abide in him, you will know the truth. You abide in him and his word. You abide in his word, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. 
okay so you free from deception free from error free from um in um, any other thing in this world from this worldly uh uh, philosophies that would tell us otherwise okay so please test the situation this is bigger than Kanye okay this is bigger than Pastor Tyson test these things for yourself really look at what's going on with Sunday service really look at how the world is receiving this whole thing again the thing I saw the other day with Kanye um, from 2004 when he was saying that um, he's a Christian but he can't get with the he can't get with the uh, uh, he said he can't get with the, the notion that uh, people who don't believe on Christ will go to, go to hell. I would be curious to know if he still believes that. If I can find the clip, I will play that at the end of this episode. But really test these things and stop being afraid of man calling you judgmental or mean. Cling to the Lord's voice because ultimately the only person that can give an account for your soul is you. Okay, so no matter what people say to you, no matter what people threaten to do to you, this is your soul at stake and you don't have time. Okay, no, no one who belongs to the Lord can be snatched out of his hand. But at the same time, you are supposed to be working out your salvation with fear and trembling. So don't be presumptuous with the Lord. If the Lord tells you to do something, do it. Because that is the test of you actually belonging to him, as Deuteronomy 13 says. So if you would just rest on your laurels and believe that, oh, I did a sinner's prayer about 10 years ago, so I'm good. I'm safe because salvation is guaranteed to me. Boo-boo. I understand that, yes, while salvation can be assured to those who believe, you need to first make sure you truly believe. And a sign that you really believe is obeying the Lord's voice, right, and keeping his commandments. And with that said, thank you for listening. So the, the second verse was reverse psychology for program directors. They, they say you can rap about anything except for Jesus, right? Is it? Oh, no, we can play that. We can play Jesus. What, you, what are that boy talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah. And you're, this goes back to some of the things your father taught you. Yeah, yeah. And he, where did you find the religion? My father, my grandmother falling asleep, falling asleep on my grandmother's chest back when I was like eight years old. And it was always, I was raised as, um, I was raised as a Christian. So that's what I believe. I believe Jesus died for our sins. One issue though I have is that I don't believe that people that don't believe that are going to hell though. But you're supposed to believe that when you're a Christian. I don't believe that Muslims are going to hell. I don't believe that a a newborn baby that dies in a fire two days uh, after he was born and didn't get a chance to get baptized is going to hell. You think because he runs some water over his head, like that, oh, that makes a difference yeah. to God? No, it doesn't. You're right. Uh, no, how could I be right? The, that's no, not no, what the no, Bible no, says. No, 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 no. That's yeah, not what the Bible but says. Be because, but, because a loving God wouldn't have that attitude. That's what I feel, but there's so many people that disagree with me. There's so many people that listen to Jesus Walks, and they're going to look at this interview, and they're going to say, Why do you believe Jesus Walks? But you don't believe everybody that's not a Christian is going to hell. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm, I, I, I have. My relationship with God, I feel like I I feel like I was at the gates in that accident and he told me to go back and live my life.
Truth and Fire, the podcast has been brought to you by truthandfire.com, where we explore faith and pop culture from a witty Christian perspective. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, let us know. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Verite Efu. That's V-E-R-I-T-E-E-T-F-E-U. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. We hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you.